Hello, everybody. Live from Korea time on a balmy day. It is the Ozone. Shout out to Twizzy Twitch and the Lost Visionaries for our theme song, The, the Cameras <laughs> on Me. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you consider this balmy? Uh, this is uh, uh, maybe maybe my terminology is off, but but I, I consider I'm just it. Throwing it out there, I don't know if it, the balmy usually to me think I think of some kind of humidity or something like a it's, little. It's much. wet. <laughs> it's, just, wet. it's wet out it there. Wet out I mean, there. even though my hands have been super dry, but it's it's you know I can feel the wetness in my knees. That rain is coming again. It's SoCal. It's coming. It's just unbelievable. Freaking uh, uh, <laughs> the the time this year uh, of El Nino. So I guess this year is the second year we're in La Nina now. I'll pass. I like it when it's dry, almost droughty. But that's not what you're here to talk about. You're here to talk about sports. Here to put the cameras on you. Completely partial and unfair. That is the Ozone. I'm your host, Omar Miller. Terry Miller is my brother. How are you feeling? No way. I'm good. (laughs) No way. No way, dude. So so check it out. (laughs) Today is impeachment day. And the impeachment that we're going for is of Charles Green, the Rams <laughs> GM. I got a banner. I have my banner ready. Oh, my goodness. What is going on with Ram time? Your All Honor, right. I'd like to bring out uh, <laughs> the inquiries to bring uh, Charles Green under uh, prosecution. Charles Green shouldn't be impeached for the lack of performance from his players. But that's what we're dealing with, ladies and gentlemen. We got a lot to cover today with a lot to cover in boxing. Uh, The Major League Baseball hot stove is heating up. But I want to start in football because, like you, I'm sure, many of us went into our fantasy football semifinals if you were fortunate enough to make it that far last week. And I'm here to tell you, on the Yahoo Fantasy Football Sports recap, the big old backbreakers received (laughs) a D-minus Great. Oh, that's your, that's your team, the big old backbreakers. Yeah. Nice. You like that backbreaker. Like that one. Yeah. Okay. Ah, I dropped that backbreaker <laughs> on him. And, uh, and shout, I'm out. <laughs> shout out to the WWF, 80 style. I don't even like that it's called the WWE. But yeah, that's what happened, folks. I put up a terrible showing. All year, my guys have kind of overachieved. The only person who killed me in fantasy, and I want to hear about how he did for you guys, uh, because who killed me in fantasy was Aaron Rodgers. Destroyed me in fantasy. So Destroyed overrated. All year. And so what did I do? I sat Aaron Rodgers and I went with Jacoby Brissett because I thought there was going to be a shootout going down in Indianapolis or in New Orleans, wherever it was that they played. And there was not. <laughs> there was a one-sided shellacking that went down. I mean, a shellacking. Drew Brees was there to take care of business. He Company business. He was not messing around. He wanted to set his record and keep things moving and march straight on to the playoffs. Especially after they played him out about his – that play right before half. So he went out there the next quarter um, – next half and really showed himself out. He, he showed out. Out there and dealt on him. Now, I'm going to read you guys off my fantasy lineup, and I'm going to tell you where I tricked. You guys will already know. Started Jacoby Brissett, Jarvis Landry, did nothing. That's not on Jarvis Landry. I put that on Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is a bust. Yeah, man. You give me a bust two years in, that's it. That's, that's, that's all you get nowadays. That's all you get. They're them. trying to call Cam a bust. <laughs> Come on, man. You play too much. You can't get Cam is not a bust. So, uh, so Jarvis didn't do anything despite the team putting up 24 points. How the Browns decided to lose to the Arizona Cardinals 38-24 to with the recently released uh, uh, Terrell Suggs, uh, T-Sizzle, is just mind-blowing. That's gross. It's gross. So he gave me he gave me a little bit of nothing. Michael Thomas was good money. Michael Thomas is always good. Did you hear this crazy stat about this dude? Lay it on me. Man, this dude has only dropped one pass the whole year. So why does he drop passes on Madden? Uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> because, 
during the year. Oh, Dude has oh, has maybe 137 targets or something, put his hand on the ball, some, something crazy like that, and only drop one pass. It's that one love. Has hands across America. And if you play with him on Madden, he will drop wide open passes. I mean, you like, come on, dude. This is not real. Well, let me tell you what he did on Sunday because I have the stats right in front of me. I got them myself. <laughs> 12 receptions, 128 yards, eight first downs. The man was responsible for eight first down receptions. You saw the one hand cap grab he had. Look at this. He had 12 targets, 12 receptions, and 120. <laughs> that, no, don't sleep. Don't sleep on him. That's a good point. And that would equal good money. Man. Then I had Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley actually gave me good money despite the fact that they got blown out. Well, and they only gave him the ball. He only had 10 attempts, right? He only had 10 rushing attempts. And he still had a receiving tug, a rushing tug, and three receptions. It's ridiculous. Went with my man, the young boy up in Oakland in, in the Raiders' last home game ever in the Oakland Coliseum. Ought to be ashamed of themselves. Josh Jacobs. He gave me 89 rushing yards with four first downs, two receptions, never got to the zona. But I wasn't mad. It was still a decent outing. Now, this is where it, it also got, got foggy for me. Where did it go dark? Zero dark 30. I went with Hunter Henry over Mark Andrews. Hunter Henry gave me 29 yards on two receptions with a lost fumble. <laughs> he was, yes! He was <laughs> lost missionary. Accomplished. <laughs> Am I out of it? <laughs> he killed me. He killed me. And so uh, that was a bust. And the reason I didn't play Mark Andrews, like a lot of you guys, even though Mark Andrews was probably like my highest scoring player the whole season. They play games. Is that he played on Sunday. He left the game on Sunday in the first quarter with a busted knee. I have a busted knee. I know how it long is. it takes to get it back together. But he has a physical therapist on him 24-7. And he came back on that Thursday Started and balled, even had a tug, called back and was like, "Don't trip, I'm back to Zona." Mark Andrews balled, it just ugh, ugh. anyways. Sound like you're disgusted with myself. And then this is where I really tricked. Where did you trick? I had my finger on the button. I was on the waiver wire. Get the finger on the pulse of the community, and what happened? I was on the waiver wire. I listened to my brother and told me to pick up CJ Pro. Which one of your brothers? You. <laughs> I- <laughs> Yes, I um, it was you. Your Honor, I'd like to bring forward evidence. There's a call that took place last Saturday between Ukraine and the Gary Miller, also known as the Icons. He gave false information to Charles Green. Right now, we're not going to bring that in front of the jury. Uh, right now, we'll take that later on. And, uh, right now, we'll, uh... Oh, Madam Secretary, it's all bad. Because I had my finger on the button. I tried to decide who I was going to get, and I was I had my finger on Perriman because I was like, you know what? Jameis Winston lights it up out there. Also had my finger. It was between – listen to this. It was between Perriman, Danny Amendola, and Cole Beasley. Who did I choose? Danny Amendola. Cole Beasley. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> who gave me a whopping one reception for six yards. Yes. As everybody who plays fantasy knows – Perriman showed his entire ass and put up three tugs, two you in the you first. You didn't have Perriman, no. I th- no, he I was, th- that's on my, I, it, oh, oh, yeah, I, I told you about him, and you said that he was on other guy's team. I, no, 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 you were talking about, that's not who you were talking about. You were talking about. Uh, no, I said Perriman because I had Perriman in all of my lineups in FanDuel. No, you're talking about, what? Yeah. You didn't tell me that. Yo, what a jerk. I did tell you. That's no, what you I, That's what I'm telling you. Why would I tell you? Tell me, <laughs> you told me to go get CJ. When I told you about Perriman, you said that the other guy had him on his squat. He did not. 
You that's lied. Not, that's no. You, there's you, lying in you, no, Tony. You didn't get any there's sleep. There's lying in you, Tony. I have not had sleep. And now your and brain. I got the bags to prove it. Oh, my goodness. Anyways, I had Will Lutz, who gave me a solid, uh, you know, four point afters made, field goal between 20, 29 yards, and a field goal between 30, 39 yards. And then the kicker, to cap it all off, was that I picked up the Los Angeles Rams defense against the number one rated offense in football, who's been garbage in the Dallas Cowboys. And the Rams got destroyed. Well, the Rams got destroyed simply because of McVay. McVay cost the team once again because they did not run the ball. If you do not run the ball, then your defense is going to suffer. Well, let's talk about that with Cowboy Kev. But I want to keep going because the other person that I didn't start who actually gave me good money despite getting not getting into the uh, – he only got into the zone once – was Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel – and I could have put him in instead of Cole Beasley. Mm-hmm. Curtis Samuel had one tug, five receptions for 31 yards. And uh, let me tell you who I was playing. I'm playing Nyambi Nyambi. And Nyambi is an actor. We have a great league. It's me, Nyambi, John Legend, Andy Roddick, Jay Ellis, John Sadowski, all kind of guys you watch on TV. And there's a lot of trash talk that goes on. And let me tell you what the recap headline is. Big O's backbreakers fall short of expectations. <laughs> lose to Sooner Bread in a rout. <laughs> How you doing? Whoever that guy is that wrote that recap is a jerk, but he's telling the truth. Well, why is he a jerk? You want to? You don't want to be honest. No, I do. And so he beat the crap out of me. I am out. <laughs> yeah. That was the semis. How did your team do, uh, Nyambi? We know how you did because you had Deshaun Watson. <sighs> I didn't want to read it off. Deshaun Watson, Christian McCaffrey, who is arguably the greatest player other than Lamar Jackson in fantasy football. Yeah. Allen Robinson, also a stud. Cortland Sutton, uh, Kareem Hunt, Jared Cook, Devonta Freeman, Butker the kicker, and the Baltimore defense. And you proceeded to blow me out. <laughs> you got crazy zooted. He went up and got a bag of dust on the roof. <laughs> and got crazy zooted. So, either way it goes, I'm out. And to continue talking about this NFL, we're going to cut to Trucker Dave. Hey, fellas, what's going on? Trucker Dave. <laughs> on the on the highways and byways of this beautiful country, the United States of America. How you doing? Pretty good. It's so good for our country. <laughs> it's almost winter, and you are on the roads. Where are you at today in this uh, fine nation? Illinois. Good old Illinois. All right, all right. Well, we're talking about the NFL, and uh, we're talking about how I blew my fantasy game because I studied long and I uh, studied wrong. Isn't that a trip how you can look at it too long and that's get it wrong? That's exactly what I did. You just overthinking. Yep. You go down a rabbit hole of numbers. It was just unbelievable. Yep. And you don't know what these guys are going to do. No. <laughs> I have to. Only thing you know is that Aaron Rodgers is going to be more concerned with looking good and getting <laughs> help from the refs than actually throwing touchdowns. Uh, Man, he gives you that one early. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Now, what we want to talk to you about is your beloved New England Patriots have been found once again on this impeachment <laughs> day guilty of using video technology to cheat, of all people, the Cincinnati Bengals. That is crazy. What is going on? Well, you know what I think is? I think they didn't have any information on Cincinnati. Because they have a new coach, so they sent the scouting guy. But it's almost like, could you guys be that dumb? Because it's going to cost them at least a first-round draft pick. At least. At least. I mean, but this is an epidemic in sports right now. If you look, and it, it kind of, to me, it bleeds over and it mirrors society. We have become a society 
that incentivizes cheating. And and it's a win at all cost mentality for the world now. And we can look at it. I'd like to pinpoint it to go right back to start with Alex Rodriguez, especially. Even though he's not the sole reason, but he's the best example. Yeah, of how somebody got rewarded for cheating. A-Rod cheated yeah, his entire career, potentially even in yep. high school with the juice. He finally clutched up. Finally, he had to, the, 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 the karmic gestics that we always saw was, although he cheated and cheated and cheated, he could never perform in the postseason. And it was embarrassing, like to the point where fans despised him. He finally got on a team where he clutched up and where they were good enough to win regardless of his performance, more or less. But he did clutch up in 2009 for the Yankees. They win the World Series. You come to find he was on the juice then, too, after throwing numerous – and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm taking a long way home, but stay with me. After, after throwing numerous journalists and so on and so forth under the bus, they continue to pay him despite the fact that they could have voided his contract for behavioral and, and uh, clauses. Mm-hmm. They continue to pay him the rest of his $500 million. He gets out of the game. He, they ran him out of the game. They ran him out of the game. They paid him to not play, to not play, and yet – Within two years, he was back on television announcing Sunday Night Baseball in the World Series with terrible analysis of the game because he never knows what's about to happen. And Jessica Mendoza picks him up just like Derek Jeter had to pick him up his whole career and King Griffey Jr. had to pick him up before that. And yet he's rewarded. Now we're looking at the same thing with the Houston Astros. Have now it's been confirmed that they use video uh, uh, to to cheat and on the run and even beyond. And now we're looking at the New England Patriots, arguably the greatest NFL franchise in the history of the league. And maybe this is why. And perhaps this is actually why. What is going on? Man, it just makes you think that. I mean, you said so much. That's so true. I don't have anything to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know what kills me about the I situation? I want to get that off my chest. It really bothers me. Yeah, but the, what kills me about the situation is there's always a guy out there that gets that, that falls on the sword. The the yeah. the the, the, the videographer is suspended. <laughs> right, this dude, right. Is, this dude is following orders. No juice. I have no juice. You told me to go do this. Now, if you get caught, you know it's all on you. Right on the camera guy. And you know what the funny thing about it is this. Okay, so Belichick is such a genius, right? But then he's such a genius, but then all of a sudden he's stupid to do the fact that he knows yeah, right. about this guy. <laughs> right. Who is this okay, guy? Man. I don't even know okay, he was on the payroll, this guy. He was, Now they just suspended the guy and made him look all bad, you know. It's like, man, did, I mean, he was obviously taught to do that. So, and if exactly. that guy didn't come up with that on his own, right? Yeah, let me go. Let me go video. Maybe they'll buy it from me. <laughs> it was not an independent production. It was not an. He didn't go gorilla. And, and he if didn't he go didn't gorilla. get caught, and if he didn't get caught, he wasn't going to show that videotape to Belichick. Okay. All right, <laughs> yeah, <good>. exactly. This <laughs> was for myself, <laughs> and this makes <laughs> this me quite fantasy yeah, team. But this makes me question your greatness when you have to cheat against the Cincinnati Bengals, who are one of the worst, if not the, the worst, worst team, team in the league. In, in the league. Why do you have to cheat against them? I know your your offense is sputtering, but this is too far. Come on, man. Come on, man. It goes, it goes way too far, man. You can't you can't justify these actions, and they they're going to pay for it this time, man. A lot of people are calling for Belichick to get fired. But will they? But the point is, is how many how many passes do you get? This is the third offense, fourth offense now, and 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 the thing is, why? Uh, not only why is it the the Bengals, 
Why is it that when you're in a position of power and you do something wrong or cheat, the consequences are so much less than when you're actually in need or the little guy that's doing it? If you go rob a grocery store right now uh, for some actual food that you may need and you're a regular Joe that's on food stamps or X, Y, and Z, there's a good chance that you might get some time. And, right. and you go do some white collar crime and steal a bunch of money from people's pension funds and X, Y, and Z. You get a slap on the wrist. You pay a fine, and your kids keep going to private school. Well, I even go deeper than that. They no, said, they're, they're ten thousand leagues under the sea. I don't need to go ten. Man, Ooh. you try and drown me. <laughs> but what they got? They got what's his face? That that police officer in Aurora, Colorado, just today that they announced that was drunk at the wheel. And, yeah, and he lied. And, and no, he didn't. He was too drunk to lie. Oh, the police, oh, the one. police chief, that was Chicago. Uh, the police chief just let him off with a slap on the wrist. Yeah, but we Chicago. need to have, we need to have sympathy for him. Come on, dude. Where's yeah. my sympathy? You're right. If I get caught, they they're talking about it on the news. If I get caught drunk driving, I'm probably going to, in California. You're probably going to play the first offenses like what? Ten G's, 15, 15 G's. Yeah, yeah. You need to lose nine. your license. Lose your license. The, the whole works. This dude is not. He's. I think Sworn, they, they just he, suspended him. He has dedicated himself to being a higher level, subject yeah. to a higher judgment by being a law enforcement individual. Right. Now, in Chicago, the one that I was I was thinking of, Trucker Dave, was where the cop got caught behind the wheel taking a nap off to the side, and they and and they asked him what was up, and he was like, "Oh no, no, I was I was taking a nap." You come to find, he was drunk uh, out of his mind. He's been driving around. <laughs> yeah, he's with his medication. Oh, well, let's go as recently as today. Look at Takashi 6ix9ine facing a minimum 47. He only got two years. Two wow. Years. I but mean, he, that dude. But he told on everybody. Somebody. He killed some people. They, they deemed him responsible for the murder. Wow. Yeah. And the lady in the witness statement came out. You know, she got shot in the foot. Come he on. He got man. off. That's got to hurt. This Basically, is, this is society. So that's what it is. I mean, when you come out, you, you're like more famous than you were before you went in. Yeah. So going back to what you said, there is a reward for cheating. We were told don't do it in society. But it's like if you're not cheating, you're not trying. If you, it's only cheating if you get caught. It's true. And it ascends to the highest, highest levels. And so now, what we, what we as fans and former athletes look to sport for is fairness. You're looking for the justice of the fact of saying, I did my work on my needed skill. Exactly. I stayed I in the gym. I more, stayed on the field. I stayed in the cages. I stayed in the weight room. I watched what I ate. I did it better than the other guy did it. And we and when we started, the game was 0-0. Zero, zero. And, and the game always starts at 0-0. Zero, zero. And then from there, whatever happens, happens. That's not what we're seeing when teams like the Astros, like the Patriots. Now, these are just the teams that we see that have gotten caught. Yeah, this is not like these are the are only other, teams. Yeah, there are other teams that, out there and, that are cheating. And these are like the only teams that do it the best, you know? Yeah, but then again, if you, if you really look at it, I mean, the whole system, like if the, look at the referees. I mean, you think the game's going to be fair, and then a referee comes and decides the game with a bad call. So it's it's cheating all the way down the line. Yeah, and it's like there's so much politics involved in it. So, so it's just unreal. Yeah, and we're going to cover that, uh, you know, that big article about the, the referees in the NBA team. Yeah, we got to go over that eventually. Yeah. And, and ultimately, you're a fool if you believe that there was only one ref that was cheating on games and betting on games. Yeah, in the NBA. And and, and the NBA did a uh, an incredible job of, of, of covering up and sweeping under the rug yeah. and just moving forward. Because once again, he was the fall guy. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you how many games I watched that he was not – Officiating right between 1995 
and 2000, I don't know, 2005, six probably was my peak NBA fandom. <laughs> your peak work. Yeah, it's my peak work. <laughs> and, and, and in college, we used to watch every Sunday. And it's when, back when it seemed like the Knicks played the Heat every Sunday. <laughs> and if it wasn't the Knicks and the Heat, then it was Michael Jordan and the, and the Bulls playing the Knicks. Or there was Indiana. a lot of games, a lot of games that got decided by these these suspect suspect situations. With that being said, Trucker Dave, what do you see happening heading into the postseason? Do you think the Patriots are going to hold on to the number one seed? Are they out of there? What do you think is going to happen? Because I personally don't believe that they make it back to the Super Bowl without the first round bye. Well, they're going to get. Uh, they might get the first round bye, but they have a difficult game this week in playing Buffalo. Um, they may beat Buffalo at home. Um, they may not be beat them at home, but I like I like the Patriots to get the first round by, but I can't see them going to Baltimore. I can't see them beating the Texans. I can't see them beating beating the Chiefs. Everybody's saying, well, Belichick didn't show everything, and if he plays Lamar Jackson again, hey, let me tell you something. You're gonna get embarrassed, man. That's <laughs> you're, you're gonna get embarrassed nowadays. You're gonna get embarrassed because those young guys matter. aren't scared. They're not intimidated, and they don't care if you watch the practice on tape. Watch it. Uh-huh. You can't stop Lamar Jackson. How about that? Hey, but there's some big moves that got made. I like Kansas City going into the playoffs, picking up Terrell Suggs. And I like the Saints picking up uh, Janoris Jenkins. You know, so you're picking up veteran players that uh, that know how to play. And that's, that's going to be big in the playoffs. But I think a team going in the playoffs that – that if they get in, that could be scary. I think the Tennessee Titans, because they play good defense, they can run the yeah. ball. Nobody wants to see uh, Henry out there. With no. The, with the, no, 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 no. You can't dude. stop no, him. No, no. That's an old school running back. <laughs> you can't stop him. And they're giving him the ball. Yeah, and I was surprised. Which is what opened uh, it up for Ryan Tannehill. Show out. Oh, what a game that yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. And how about that? The, we talked about it off air. Well, I don't know what's wrong with the Falcons, but they've pulled it together late in the second half of the season. And if they would have been playing like this all year, we'd be having a whole different conversation about the Falcons and the NFC South. Well, the Falcons need an offensive coordinator more than they need anything. Clearly. They really do. Clearly. When they lost What's-His-Name, they've never been the same. They have the personnel. Jones, that's shame on you. And then, you know, you show they show that they use them correctly what you can do. He beat San Francisco. Yeah. He can beat anybody. (laughs) He's still the best. He just he needs the ball. He needs the ball. All right, Trucker Dave. Well, thanks for calling in. Be careful out there. Winter's approaching. I hope you have a happy holiday. All right. See you guys later on. Peace. Always an insightful conversation with Trucker Dave out on the road right? of America. He really is a Patriots fan, and you could hear how disappointed he was in these antics that they're taking forward to become winners. What is being a winner, really? You have to ask yourself, folks. Are you Okay. Are you okay with this version of winning in life? Because it supersedes sports. It becomes about you. And unfortunately, this is a cultural problem. It's a cultural weakness that we have in America. It is. We're, we're, it's, it's really weak. It's really, really weak. We, we, shows, we portray it as shows strength, our flaws. but it's really, really weak. We, we would rather win with it being rigged in any other way than to actually have a fair game. I'm just talking about a fair game. Right. You might actually win. That shows the lack of confidence and lack of preparation because you didn't prepare, so now you're afraid that you can't do it. If the New England Patriots can't beat the Cincinnati Bengals without cheating, they should just wrap it up. And they had a problem. They did. They jumped out on them. Wow, really? I looked at the score. I was like, whoa. (laughs) They cut that tape. (laughs) (laughs) They cut that tape. (laughs) They didn't get this in, Joe. Why you didn't tell me? (laughs) 
Cowboy Kev, <laughs> we out here debating breakfast burritos. The icons told me he got the best breakfast burrito in Los Angeles, no. and now I ask about it, and they don't even know. It's All not a sudden, breakfast not even, burrito. It's what a is sandwich. It? It's a it's a uh, a egg, bacon, and what is it? It's on it's on some kind of bun, Texas toast. It's What's not a burrito place. Yeah, that's yeah, that sounds like a bacon and egg sandwich to man. me. That don't sound like a burrito, but yeah. egg it yolk sounds good. good. <laughs> egg tuck. Egg Tuck. Egg. Shout out to Egg Tuck. Egg Tuck uh, is the bomb, man. Egg it's Tuck. Woo. Free ad. Egg, egg Tuck. Tuck. If you're in Koreatown okay. in Los Angeles, stop by Egg Tuck. But Koreatown. Very good. There you go. But if you, you happen to be by the Coliseum for a, 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 a star for Dallas, Texas, because they got a little bit of get back on the Rams from last year's <laughs> playoff game. Cowboy Kev, you got some explaining to do. Cowboy Kev, we've had an APB. We've had an APB out on you for the last five weeks since the Cowboys have disappeared. What is going on down in Texas, and how are you still going to pull out this weak division and make the playoffs despite the fact that everybody that watches football knows you shouldn't be there? Speak on. Well, you have these 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 moments, and you know. Every division, there's a year where the division just is it's down. Philly has been disappointing this year. You know, obviously we have been disappointed uh, this year, but uh, it, it happens. But with that said, we're still in position to make the playoff, win the division, make the playoffs, and make a statement. I think uh, the way things have, have transpired – with playing the Rams this week, a, a game that uh, still is, is fresh on the mind from last year's playoffs. They wanted to come out and, you know, prove that they could beat the Rams who were, you know, on a little bit of uh, momentum themselves. And so that's the first big win of a, a team over 500. Uh, they came out and showed what obviously everybody expected them to uh, – play like throughout the the whole season but they play well we've got some momentum now obviously you if you can't get motivated for for sunday um you know you might as well hang your cleats up and and retire this is you know this is it if if you don't win this game the season's over so i think they're excited i think they they understand that everybody's looked in the mirror because there's been plenty of blame to go around from the uh I'll say the GM uh Jerry Jones down to the coaches coaching staff on offense and defense uh to the players themselves and so uh last week against the Rams was uh, a bit of a statement but there's still more work to be done and I believe you know they they want to prove that uh the team we saw against the Rams Sunday is a team that they want to so that they can be going forward. So we'll see how it all plays out. I think Philly is, uh, you know, they got a lot of injuries. So I, I, I think obviously we have the better team. I think we'll show up. We'll, we'll beat Philly and Philly, you know, uh, it'll be a good game because it's a division game, but, uh, we've, we've had success against Philly the last few years. So I don't, I don't see, you don't see them being much of a problem, especially since they're all beat up. I don't up. see them being – exactly. That's who else exactly. I have Exactly, and they, the, the, the way they struggled against uh, the Redskins last week, you know, just, you know, they had to – man, Carson Wentz really had to 
pull a rabbit out of his hat to pull that one off. But well, he doesn't have know, anybody. Uh, he's out there. He's he's uh, yeah, him and Zach Ertz are just just a two man team. But then they let Miles Sanders tear him apart. I think yeah. the Phillies going to win. Dallas is a of course. <laughs> <laughs> Philly, uh, Dallas, I Dallas is a nothing less. I wouldn't expect anything less from the icon. <laughs> Dallas is a team full of pretenders with a bad coach, with a bad coach, a bad owner, bad play, bad scheme. I mean, they are under they are underachievers, dude. When are they ever going to live Absolutely. up to their potential? Well. Well, like we said, it starts at the top from the GM, you know. No, from the owner. Jerry. Who is the GM? Well, he's, he's the GM <laughs> exactly. as well. He's got the GM as well. Well, look, look, because as an owner, I think he's done, you know, a hell of a job. But as GM is where he should have been fired. And a lot of the things that I think we have gone on for the last, you know, just take Jason Garrett's tenure as coach would uh would not have gone on because another coach would not, you know, allow themselves to continually year in after year without having any real say, any real power to coach the team the way they want to. There's no reason that, you know, um, you built, you have a Hall of Fame, you know, Pro Bowl line, offensive line, Pro Bowl running back that's led the league the last couple years since he's been in, you know, with the team. And now this year you come into the year and all of a sudden you want to be a passing team. This, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> that proof. It doesn't make sense. You know, some of the same things that the Rams have been going on with, with Gurley, yeah. you know, oh my goodness. so it, it, you know, it These just, guys it are effective the whole when you give them the Exactly because it's not a fluke. Zeke is not a fluke. Ty Gurley is not a fluke. You can't stop them. They know what they're doing. You You've got to put pressure on your linemen, the offensive line to step up and, you know, create the holes you've been creating. You're getting paid, you know, top dollar for that reason. Step it up. No matter how much they stack the box, we got to get it done because when we control the clock, time and possession, it changes the landscape of the game. Now, you know, defense still has to do their part and not allow the big plays uh, and, you know, create some turnovers. But you you look at last week, they did all of that. You know, you had, what, two turnovers by the defense? Uh, You know, big stops on third down. Uh, So when they get it clicking on all cylinders, they're a dangerous team. So getting in the playoffs, I think that'll happen. You know, winning one, anything is possible in one game, you know, Team show up and you never know what can happen, but you gotta get there. Now, if I remember correctly, there was a bet made about an over under with them being at eleven wins. I think it was ten was the over under. <laughs> certain <laughs> that the Cowboys. So, so see what had happened. Was, <laughs> what I didn't realize was. <laughs> Jerry Jones also has a hold on our offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, and he made uh, he stressed to him that he wanted to see Dak throw at least, you know, 35-plus times a game. And so I think that changed the whole, the whole dynamic of the team. And, and what so happened to the kicker? We, Did Jerry Jones have a, a hold over the <laughs> kicker as well? Now, yeah. 
So that, <laughs> that mistake, that mistake was made was two years ago when he didn't sign. No, when he didn't re-sign uh, Bailey. Bailey's one of the best kickers in in NFL history. Exactly. Why would he you not got injury? You why would you not resign? Because he didn't want to pay him. And so that that's been big. Uh, what's his name? Mayor that they just cut. It, he's so inconsistent. Some of those games last year that we were able to pull out was because of, of field goals. Where this year, you know, he he's made the sixty plus yard field goals and then missed, you know, forty yards and then he's less than five hundred. Yeah, man. And so that that that's a big difference. And you know, you look at the Saints game; we lose by two points. Uh, you know the. Green Bay, obviously, looking like a blowout, but made a, a comeback late that, you know, there was a couple field goals missed there, the the, the Jets game. So, sometimes so basically, your, your kicker plays. <laughs> you see a lot of flaws, but I also hear a lot of optimism for room, <laughs> seeing that there's clear room for improvement. Do you think it's possible to get in the playoffs and make some noise? It's definitely possible to get in the playoffs. We beat Philly, we're in the playoffs. No, I'm just saying it makes some noise. Or my question is, are you going to double down? My question is, that's it. I just want to know if you're going to double down because I need to know exactly how long is it going to take for the the Dallas Cowboys to revert to the Dallas Cowboys? Hey, it, it, it's any given Sunday. <laughs> we know that, that we. Our record shows, I think one of the coaches said, your record shows who you are. And so one Sunday we can show we can put up 44 points against the Rams who have, you know, a solid defense, the above 500 team. And then the next Sunday we can show that uh, we can be down, what, 31-7 against the Jets at halftime that, you know, has been suffering is one of the, the lowest teams on offensive efficiency. And so you never know what we're going to get, but obviously we know what we're capable of. And so once we get to the playoffs, I think excitement, the motivation, the opportunity, remembering what, where they got last year, it's, uh, it's possible to get one game. And once you get one game, you build momentum, the confidence, you can get another game. Or game will be you at home to the GM and the owner and your coach, and you go back home and we see you at the barbecue. <laughs> All right, Cowboy Kev, always a pleasure. We we love you. Even though you're not from Dallas, we're going to go ahead and brand you a homer. <laughs> <laughs> we will check in with you next week after the game and see if Dallas will be able to even make a 500 record, let alone get to 11 wins. <laughs> That's okay. I love you guys as well, and we will see next Sunday. Excited and ready to go into the playoffs. Confident as ever. (laughs) (laughs) You can't even say that with a straight face. (laughs) Get this guy off the line. I'm trying to hold it. Uh, All right, Gail. See you soon. Late. All right. Oh, man. Even Cowboy fans. It hurts when your team doesn't want to act right, and that's where I am right now, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, the Los Angeles slash Oakland Raiders have played their last game. Played their last uh, bad game. As a home team in California. 
until the Raiders, somebody gets involved in a fight with a stripper at a, a gambling establishment known as a casino where they place a wager on the game at the stadium in Vegas and they have to move again. <laughs> they wouldn't do but, that. That would be wrong. But uh, something very unfortunate happened in Oakland on Sunday. Uh, the kid, Josh Jacobs, showed up. His shoulder was messed up, but he still played. He actually played well. The Raiders were up. The crowd was hype. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars took the proverbial dump on the Raiders' cornflakes. <laughs> and what ended up happening was a comeback that actually led to a chorus of boos in in very appropriate Raider Nation black hole fashion. For the last game, the Raiders were booed off the field. <laughs> and, it was an, Classic and it was an aggressive scene. Go Raider Nation. Uh, I have two more weeks until our divorce is final. And that'll be it for me and the Raiders. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. Lost the last game at the Coliseum against a bum squad. Like you said to the Jaguars. It's not like you guys played. And you you know that was play Seattle or San Francisco. It was like they set up that that schedule as a layup for them on purpose. Exactly. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Too much pressure in their layup. Why, Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. All right, folks. Going to move to the world of boxing. Big big news happening all over boxing. This uh, this this time of year it's the end of the year and everybody wants to know and and review the year in boxing and have their uh fight of the year picks and so on and so forth we may even give you an espresso shot which is only that but we got big news and to me the big big news is tyson fury leaving his trainer ben davidson and heading back to his roots at cronk gym founded by hall of famer uh rest in peace emmanuel stewart right this is a big move because i felt like as did freddie roach uh, when he was helping in the corner for the fight, the first fight against Deontay Wilder, that if they would have pressed the issue, they might have been able to get Deontay Wilder out of there. That's true. I mean, he looked dominant against Deontay. Sure did. And Ben Davidson was at, I wonder how much of this has to do with Ben Davidson being at Deontay Wilder's last fight and watching him knock out Virgil Ortiz. Uh, sorry, not Virgil Ortiz, uh, King Kong Ortiz. Uh-huh. And then say, uh, and then and then come out, afterwards to all the fighting blogs and say uh, clearly he is the hardest puncher in the division and maybe of all time that's not in question and it it was almost like praise that he was heaping upon him and he he went too far he didn't add any but my guy's better Uh but my guy got up when he got hit Mm -hmm. there was none of that he went too far it was. He was very impressed with Deontay's work against Luis Ortiz. And the way that they made it sound like is that he went out there on a, uh, you know, scouting expedition. Yes. Basically to scout Deontay Wilder and to see where he was. got caught up in the emotion of the fight. He got caught up. <laughs> that knockout was too much for him. <laughs> Cost him his gig. Cost him his gig. I mean, he had a great game plan, which wasn't too difficult for Deontay Wilder, you know, to beat him. And, which, and Tyson Fury had the discipline to stick to that game plan. Yes. And they pretty much just incorporate that with a little bit more conditioning, and I think that you guys can take his belt. Man, and he's been holding that belt for almost five years. Yeah. Almost five years. And it, I'm very interested to see the other big news was that post that you sent me that just has to be a joke. It wasn't. Uh, unbelievable. And the, the, the two-time champion, heavyweight champion, who has all the belts more or less, yes. uh, Anthony Joshua, reached out publicly to Tyson Fury and said, hey, if you need a sparring partner for your fight against Deontay Wilder for the rematch, I'm there for you. 
we're going to fight eventually, me and you, but I'm willing to be your sparring partner for this. That's crazy, right? And Tyson Fury, this must be a British thing. Uh-huh. It was dope to read. It, it was, was exciting. Right? <laughs> because then Tyson Fury responds with, I hope you weren't kidding because I could use you. <laughs> and it, that's great, man. I, I, that's, that's, I would pay to go see that sparring. Right, right. And the thing of it is that Anthony Joshua is so humble, and a lot of people don't like the guy because he doesn't walk around with the bravado or yeah. whatever, the machismo or however you want to put it on him. But he's just honest. He said, you know what? I'll learn a lot from even sparring against a guy like that. And he will. Uh, he, and he will because he, he said he's to a, really recommit himself to, to, the, the, game. to the gym. Uh-huh. Yeah, to the game of boxing. Uh-huh. Not to the weight room, but to the gym. No, to boxing. no, to the boxing gym. Because when he beat Andrew Ruiz last weekend, what he did was put on a boxing clinic, which he stayed on his toes. He fought like a fighter did back in the, the, the 70s and 80s. He's, you know. No, nah, you can't go that far. No, he did. He formatted his style but, after but, that. Yeah, but he did not fight it to the execution of the level of the 70s heavyweights because those guys also, somebody is on the mat. In every 70s heavyweight fight, somebody's on the mat. That's that, but most of them aren't fighting against a guy who weighs 300 pounds. If None of them are. But <laughs> if they were, he would be on the mat early. I, know, I don't know. <laughs> George Foreman. George, George, George Foreman. But we're talking about Ernie an Shane anomaly. You on the two guys. And everybody else is going to it's going Larry to Holmes ain't going to get you on the, on the, on the, no. on the, on the mat after all them jabs the, in 15? In, are in you 15? crazy? But I'm saying that. Are he, you crazy? But his style, he, he patterned. Ron Lyle? I'm still, 300 pounds is a lot of man. <laughs> That's what? Them ones and twos have the answer. To uh, a lot of man. Down. And it takes 15 because, rounds to get you out of there. It doesn't you know, take 12 because, because, because the thing that Andy Ruiz had exposed that AJ didn't have the skill set to expose was that 300 pounds to the body. There was no body work because he was so concerned with, you know, lowering himself, which I understand. It was mm-hmm. a very cautious thing. And I agree with what Tyson Fury said, which was, I'd rather I'd rather win a fight in a cautious manner than lose spectacularly so that the fight fans can be happy exactly. about a spectacular fight. Sounds like that's what you wanted, though. No, that's not what I wanted. I got, wanted I'm, he, I'm not mad at him. I just don't. I'm not going to give him extra accolades as though. What extra, what's extra accolades did I give him? I told him he fought his fight as the he patterned his fight after the guy from the 70 or 80s. That he fought just like those guys in the and, Well, I'm still saying that he, he fought those. He yes, he those did. Guys, he did. Those guys get you on your back, though, T. Yeah, not all of them. They do. No, they don't. Not all of them Joe do. Joe don't put guys on their back. I'm not even talking about knocking them out. I'm talking about getting you off your feet. But like I said before, the, back in the day, the heavyweights did not weigh anywhere close to what the heavyweights weigh now. Madam Secretary, we have once again sidestepped <laughs> the facts because <laughs> Senator Miller cannot defend his statement. I did defend in, in, my statement. No, no, sidestepped no, no, no. The facts. <laughs> Did not. Oh, my 300 goodness. pounds of man is a lot of man. They don't even have – they didn't – I can't remember one guy, the closest person probably to weigh close to 300 back in the day was George Foreman. I think he was probably like 250, 240. Yeah, and, but that's because that sort of weight is <laughs> not, not good. It's not conducive to being a successful boxer. Mm-hmm. It's just not. I mean, I mean that. So, the, but to imply, but to imply though, the, but to imply that those guys would just top it out at six feet tall. Yeah, but to imply that these guys would just get a guy to three hundred pounds off of his feet is not being honest. It, and that's not true. It is being honest. It would take close to fifteen rounds to get a guy three hundred pounds. Even with George Foreman and Ron Lyle's fault, and they went toe to toe for fifteen rounds. They, they didn't even go fifteen rounds. I think four rounds. <laughs> yeah, it didn't even go fifteen. <laughs> yeah, it went four rounds. Yeah, that's I'm, what I'm saying. To tell I'm, you. Theirs went longer than four rounds. No, it didn't. Ron Lyle and George Foreman? Yeah. They went four rounds. No. Let me look Maybe it up. Maybe five. I do believe they went four rounds. In a fight that if you haven't seen, go watch on YouTube. Great fight. It's arguably <laughs> the greatest heavyweight fight of all time. Great it fight. It is a great fight. It is a rock up soccer robot. Uh, and? Loving it. <laughs> and so, 
uh, yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't overly impressed. But either way it goes, I wasn't overly impressed with him not getting him off his feet. But I was impressed with the fact that he had the discipline to stay with his fight. And man, oh man, would I be impressed to see him join up to fight? That would have to motivate Deontay Wilder in a way that I can't even. Man, if you if you read that, I'm surprised Deontay hasn't come out and said anything. But what can Deontay say? Because Deontay really has not done anything to to even act like he wanted to fight Anthony Joshua, really. I mean, now that the guy's got his belts back and he has a lot to say. But before that, you know, he was sending out, you know, condolences and, you know, he wasn't what we thought he was. He was celebrating as if he had beat him. He celebrated as though he beat him, without <laughs> and, question. Yeah, and now, you know, he's he's grumbling and he's mumbling, but I haven't heard him say anything about them getting it on. Yeah, yeah. Well, in other action... Did you find out how long the fight was? I'm, I'm digging it up right now, child. Uh, in, other, in other action that uh, has taken place over the weekend, Terrence Bud Crawford fought the mean machine out of, I do believe, Lithuania and actually had a little trouble early. And a lot of fight fans are talking about now, suddenly, everybody wants to talk about how he would fare against Earl Spence and they don't believe that it would be what they once thought it was. Now, I didn't get to see that whole fight. I was at a uh, an event, but I got to see it after I heard. I was on Twitter, and I saw everybody saying that, that Bud got knocked down and didn't. They didn't call, didn't it. call you, it. You didn't see the, the. I didn't see the knockdown. I couldn't find it. Oh, wow. Yeah. They keeping it under wraps. Huh? Yeah, I kept looking. I was looking for it. They showed all of his highlights when he knocked the dude out. Yeah, no, he put him down. He he got he hit him hard too, and Bud he hit him hard from the point that I saw. I saw from the fifth round on, fourth or fifth round on. And Bud looked like he was, you know, he was he was in trouble. The first half of that fight, he was in trouble. Uh, he turned it up. He, what he did do was show a champion's heart, but yeah. he was in trouble, man. I mean, yeah. and that's and there's nothing wrong with yeah, that. And there's nothing wrong with that. He got up if, off the floor. If anything, and if anything is more impressive, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm talking tired about. of everybody acting like there's something wrong with a guy getting hit or a guy in a fight. Down <laughs> in a fight from another high end guy that's a two time Olympian. Come on. So what can you do? He ended up getting that guy out of there he, in a nice fashion. And too. Did bullied him out of there. He did. And so you know, I, I'm not really mad at Bud's performance, and I, I am more concerned with uh, the health of Earl Spence because Bob Arum came out and said he had insider information that the fight won't happen between them in 2020 or 2021 because of what he deems and he won't out his source as credible information that says Earl Spence's health from the accident is still remains to be seen if he'll be back in the ring at all and ready to fight at the championship level uh and legal issues soon. and legal issues really really unfortunate man then do I love watching Earl Spence Jr fight so now all eyes have shifted to a fight potentially between Bud Crawford and Sean Porter, who we know is always game. He's ready to go right now. He's ready to go. And I t- how about your boy Tim Bradley catching a lot of flack, a lot of grief for his uh, for his post fight antics. I watched his it. rant. I was like, "What are you doing?" It looked like Andre, Andre Ward was looking at him like, "What are you bugging it out? You bugging it out right now, me?" He lost his. And not only that, why why do they keep acting like? The fighters won't fight Bud Crawford. That's not the problem. Bob Arum is the problem. Bob Arum is stopping him from being able to leave that stable to go out and fight the other big opponents that are out there for him to fight. Well, he's the only guy that Arum has at exactly. 47, and he has a belt, and it needs to be protected. Not that I don't think it's Bud. I don't think Bud is fighting anybody. And honestly, you're crazy if you don't think Bud gives a fight to anybody in the league. He gives a great fight to anybody in the league, and, and chances are 90% of the guys he's going to beat. I never thought he could beat Errol Spence, but that— I don't think that, he could beat Sean. That, I, I was just about to say, I think he's going to be under a lot of pressure from Sean because the guy needs to—he's for he, notorious for starting slow. 
And clearly, the mean machine noticed that and said, you know what? I'm going straight after him. And he had him in trouble, didn't have enough to get him out of there. And Bud is a champion. And he showed the heart of a champion, and he came back. In other action, Teofimo Lopez uh, won in spectacular fashion, at which point he was very interested in getting verbal and vocal and calling out Vasily Lomachenko. He said he wants all the smoke. He's going to knock that effer out because he doesn't like his ass. I think that's big talk. Uh, and Teofimo's good. I like Teofimo. You don't think he got him, though? I don't know. Uh, Vasily Lomachenko is good, despite what everybody thinks that I seem to think about him. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm just saying he needs more. I need more evidence than 12 fights to crown him the greatest pound for pound. Um, but I think it's going to be a. I think that's going to be a good fight. If they say uh, uh, since he got Comey out of there, they, they're talking about February 29th. The real superstar potentially is Golden Boy's Virgil Ortiz Jr. Though man, that guy looks great. Are you kidding me? Man, he looks good. He did. Was it probably your first time seeing him? No, I've seen him fight before. And I, we've spoken about him, actually. Me and Ellie spoke about him on air before. Uh-huh. That kid can go. He's got it all. And he's a part of that Garcia family of boxing, and they teach you how to get it done the right way. I mean, he looks great, dude. He, there's nothing to stop him from going all the way to the top. And, and the guy that he fought was actually just not like a journeyman. That guy no. had skill set. He sure did. He, he sure was did. sticking and moving and everything, but he got caught with a couple of good shots, and he actually hit Ortiz. He right. did, and Ortiz wore him. He wore him. He walked through him. Man, that, that that kid is serious. And staying in that Garcia camp, it's been announced that Mikey Garcia will fight uh, Jesse Vargas and uh, and has signed with Matchroom and Eddie Hearn. This is going to be interesting for I think it was only a one or two fight deal, uh-huh. and which makes sense because Mikey is after getting frozen out of the league for two or three years by Bob Arum and his dispute with Top Rank. You can see why he would be reluctant to sign a long term deal. Right, that's not necessarily what he's looking for. Um, but I'm interested to see the fight. It'll be Mikey's first time back in the ring since that lopsided beating he took from Earl Spence. But now uh, th- this will be interesting to see. I, do you know if this fight is at 40? I don't know 47? where it is right now because, they, you know, they've been sort of vague with it so far. So I don't know where the, what um, what the weight is. And he's staying at 147. Is he? Wow, look at that. I wonder why he's doing that. I mean, he's getting older, so maybe it's easy for him to carry that weight. Maybe. I mean, but he's unbeatable at 140 and below. I know, but you know Nobody what? beats Mikey at 140 and but below. It, but it's harder for him to probably to... I'm sure. And, and he's going to lose and, a little bit. And top rank will never give him that fight, which is the biggest fight to make down there against Vasily Lomachenko. Mm-hmm. We, we know that. Yeah, we know they won't give him the fight, which is terrible. Uh, but going on this weekend... And Foreman, they went five rounds. It was five rounds. Yeah. And you know what? Ron Lyles was 34 years old. Which is crazy, boy. He did the time in the pen. And and Foreman was 27. He was in the pen. I want to say he did five. Something crazy. Like, he did hard time. If you haven't seen him, watch that uh, documentary, Facing Ali. They talk talk to Ron Lyle directly, and he talked about doing a 1,000 push-ups an hour off a bowl of spinach. This dude was hard. (laughs) And he was mean. Hard puncher, too. Yeah, and a tough fighter. And he talked about how fighting Muhammad Ali changed his life, the trajectory of his life, which is great. Uh, and so this weekend coming up where we are going to be is uh matter of fact, have you checked in on the tickets? We got to get no, a ticket do. game I together. Hit, I got to hit him. Unless we got to go buy him. Um, with Jermel Charlo versus Tony Harrison from Detroit. And boy, oh boy, he's talking stupid at the, at the, uh, the weigh in and everything. 
if you go back and look at that fight, Harrison did not win, and it wasn't really even close to me. And we're going to see because we know good and well that Charlo and Derrick James want their belts back. They want them back. They need to have them back in the stable. Yeah, and it's going to be <laughs> taking place in Ontario, California, folks. If you are interested, if you're in the area, it should be a good night of fighting uh, out in Ontario. Charlo brother, little Charlo as he's known, Jermel, fighting Tony Harrison. Also taking place this weekend, friend of the Ozone, King Gabe Rosado is back in the ring out in Phoenix uh, on Friday, in, which is uh, an event that's headlined by Danny Jacobs versus uh, Chavez Jr. And so uh, this is it's a big week for boxing and wrapping it up for the year. going to be time to, to see who gives us fight of the year and who wins the fight of the year, round of the year, all that good stuff. You also got on here word of, unfortunately, Vladimir Klitschko talking a comeback. Looks like he's not years old. Looks like he's not impressed by the heavyweights of today. <laughs> but he really hasn't taken that much punishment. You know, no, not over the last no. 12 years. I mean, the only person that really touched him up was, was Joshua. Was Joshua. And that might be enough. That is enough at 43. Yeah, and that's big man pop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a great champion, but it just seems like it's so hard to put them put them down. It's so hard to put the gloves down. Yeah. Right? You've done everything. You've done you everything. were a champ for like 10 years. You held the belt. Right, just like Evander's talking about coming back. Wow. I mean, come on, Don't man. do it. Don't do it. These guys, Don't the young guys are going to rip you a new one. Yeah, and you're going to end up in the, in a bad space. Speaking of a bad space, shout out to the champ, Leon Spinks, at a, a health scare, health event, and his, his wife is calling for thoughts and prayers. Yeah, they hadn't said what's wrong with him, though. No. No, which usually isn't the yeah the greatest sign. Um, it's a lot of punishment in the in the in the sport of boxing. A lot of punishment. that catches up with you later on. That's why it's and it seems like it catches up to you all at once. Yeah, and it's just it's, it's a need for them to have some kind of health care or benefits or something. Yeah, because these guys get in a bad way like this, and then you know we don't know Leon's situation, but you know I can't imagine that he's too well off that he you know can stay yeah. in hospital for for so long without breaking his family. Yeah, 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 yeah. So shout out to the champ. And uh, we're praying for him, for sure. Also, we have former pound-for-pound king, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, is fighting uh, December 23rd. He's taking on a fellow named Diomel Diosos. And uh, a tune-up fight, he said it's necessary to get him back in title contention next year. He says uh, his manager said Roman is highly motivated. He's looking sharp, and his knee is back to normal even better. Roman's eager to showcase that his knee is in great condition after surgery and that with God's help, he will be the junior bantamweight king once again. We understand that it takes one step at a time, but he is more than ready. Very interested to see if he can regain his uh, former dominance. It's going to be difficult. And whatever happened to the tie, homie? That's what I want to know. He had, just like had girl problems. He disappeared he had, off the map. You're having girl problems. I feel bad for you, son. <laughs> Messed up his mind, scrambled his eggs off. Did. He did. hasn't been able to make that comeback. He looked terrible his last fight. He sure did. His mind is all messed Man. up. And speaking of which, uh, Canelo vacated his WBO light heavyweight title and thus moving As back he should have. As he should have. And I actually spoke to someone the other day who felt like you, who felt like Kovalev took an actual direct monetary dive. No question. So... Uh, and and then the final piece we want to cover in boxing is uh, an unfortunate one, and it's that Adrian Broner is on the hook for eight hundred thirty thousand dollars for uh, sexual a, a assault. sexual assault in a club that he pleaded guilty to, and that a civil court decided that uh, needed to he needed to pay for. He pleaded guilty, right? That was like the the if I remember I'm reading that sure. correctly. Hold on, because it's all on TMZ Sports. I really hope that Adrian Broner gets. Uh, I really hope that he he gets himself together. I know he didn't. Um, he didn't appear in court and didn't defend himself or contest the charges, which led to a default judgment. Ah, 
Yeah, and more legal problems as well because uh, Josh Taylor actually ran into some problems of being on a drunk bender out in uh, Scotland and cussed out and dropped some homophobic slurs apparently and cussed out a doorman of wow. Asian descent and that he actually said that he he agrees he was out of line. So now so, he's got uh, a, somebody about to pat their pockets on him. Yeah. Oh, look at this. And now it seems Anthony Joshua was already regretting his public offer to spar Tyson mm-hmm. Fury. <laughs> when I look back at some of the ish I say, mate, I say, why did I say that? <laughs> you know? What am I doing? Mate. Yeah, but this thing with Broner is really unfortunate. Um, We're watching a guy literally implode, self-destruct, dude. This dude is literally. And he's, you know, despite the money that he says that he has, you can't go around paying a million dollars out no. to people it catches up too, with too often. This is a lot of money, you know. This is this is a big deal. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he he, uh, he didn't. Yeah, that's what it was. He didn't show up to defend himself, and with that, he's forfeited a million bucks, basically. Um, that's a big time no show. That's a big time no show, and I mean, hopefully the lady's all right. That that's not cool. Uh, also, in the world of basketball, you see uh, ex-commissioner David Stern, who is really like solely responsible for taking basketball worldwide. Right. Uh, he's in serious condition, surrounded by loved ones. It could be time. So he's surrounded by loved ones right now, huh? That's what they're saying. Wow. That's what they're saying. He had an aneurysm, correct? Yeah, and that's never a, you know, that's never a good look. He had a sudden brain hemorrhage, and he was at a restaurant in Manhattan, and uh, they said the, the NBA res- uh, put out a statement saying that he's receiving great care and he's surrounded by his loved ones. Wow. So we'll see. We will see what happens. But moving on to the big money sport, and I ain't talking about football, the Major League Baseball hot stove has heated up and it's on fire. <laughs> it's not even a stove anymore. <laughs> it's not even. This is Straight a, inferno. This is a full blaze. <laughs> Where do you think Lindor is going? Uh, you know what? They're feeling office right now. The Dodgers are after him. The Dodgers are supposed to be after him big time. I have the, no idea the why. The Dodgers are supposed to be after Mookie Betts. They're after Mookie Betts. They're after Lindor. I mean, they're after everybody. I heard they were after you. <laughs> I don't know if I can help anymore. But what I can tell you is, is I ran into Stan Casting at a restaurant oh, really? in Los Angeles. And I said, how do you feel? He said, like a loser. And that is saying a lot wow. for a man who's very wealthy. Put together, actually, that Washington Nationals team that just won the World Series. Also got the Atlanta Braves back on, on the right course. And uh, that's that's saying a lot for that guy to feel that way. And I appreciated, as a Dodger fan, I appreciated him saying that that's how he felt, even right. though I don't think he's a loser. So they're trying to figure out how to get over the hump. I also really appreciate what Clayton Kershaw's response was to the Astros cheating. You saw that? No, what did he say? He said, you know what? That really sucks. <laughs> he said, uh, I don't really care what their punishment is unless it means that we win that World Series. He goes, I, I have to be honest. I was pretty surprised that I gave up that lead twice down there in game five. He said, and um, and uh, it's it's he goes, we're all out here trying to get any edge we can to win. He said, but when you start using technology and cameras and video, right. it's really unacceptable. I don't know if they can do anything to stop technology at this point. Right? What but can, it, but what it can does you do. But you know what it does do? It does actually make it make sense of how much more effective Clayton Kershaw was in Dodger Stadium during that series. Yeah. Because in game one, he actually came out and dealt. Yeah. yeah. I think he gave up two runs over seven or something like that, if I remember correctly. He wasn't even really pitching bad the game that they jumped on him. It was just that one inning. And yeah, maybe yeah. that was when they did, you know, they, they figured it out. The Da Vinci code. <laughs> because you know what else he didn't pitch bad was game seven after he came in, which mm-hmm. we all know that if he was available to start, he should have just started. Right. But they in game seven, he pitched one, five, and seven. He came in in game seven and shut them down, I think, for five or six scoreless. Uh-huh. 
after you Darvish got in trouble. You was in trouble. I don't even know if that was the, the, the character. <laughs> no, no, you no, no. The, the, you the, was in trouble. But, but, no, you was in – George Springer let it off with a, with a double. <laughs> that had nothing to do with that. <laughs> but it did, though, after the fact, because if you remember, he was on his way to pitching out of that, and Cody Bellinger threw a ball. They start throwing the ball around. And then when the <laughs> guy you do? You throw the ball around. <laughs> when the guy's already – when his confidence is already on the road, you start throwing the ball around. Forget about it. Circus is in town. This, <laughs> they're calling people out of the crowd. That's how it goes. Yeah, so – Rendon got in a little bit of hot water for his statements about the Hollywood lifestyle. You catch that? Yeah, but I don't know why. He knows what's best for him and his family. So why should he stray away from that? I think it was just the delivery. I think that's all it was. Even if it was the delivery, listen to the message. He's yeah. saying that it's bad for him. He knows his weakness, I guess. And he said that, you know what? It's best for him and his family to stay out the light. And he, said yeah. he spoke with a lot of people. And, about it, it. and we've seen it before. We have definitely seen it before. It brings you down. L.A. can do that. We it have that power. Or it can build you up. Yeah, but matter <laughs> where are you in your life? Well, you know, That's true. He's a family man. That's true. So, you know, if he's going to come and live this kind of lifestyle in L.A., you got to, you know, if he wants to finger pop and all that kind of stuff, get caught up hanging out and all that. Well, it's not like he's two hours away. He could drive down he's the street. Sure. He could fly. It doesn't even matter if he's in Washington. He could fly down. But he's that's a, what I'm uh, saying. Multi-millionaire. <laughs> he owns a mansion <laughs> and a yacht. <laughs> Exactly. Biggest surprise of the offseason to me so far is Madison Bumgarner choosing the Arizona Diamondbacks. <laughs> he said something about his four horses. He like <laughs> <laughs> baseball players are special people, dude. Are you kidding me? Something about his horses. I would be surprised horses, if it had something to do with massive Trump support in Arizona and and just being uh, so Bumgarner's a Trump supporter. I don't know, but I know that he's from North Carolina, and mm, yeah. he he comes off to me like he could be MAGA, and I don't know uh, Maxi Priest and MAGA. And if he is, it had to be very difficult for him living in San Francisco for the past ten years. <laughs> very <laughs> had to be very uncomfortable. They put the liberal in liberal, right? <laughs> so so he decided to sign for five and eighty five million down in Arizona. For what reason I don't understand because they don't have anything going in Arizona when it comes to being a championship contender. Maybe That's crazy, right? I he would have done understand. better went to San Diego. He would have done better to go to San Diego. He sure would have. Uh, I don't know. I don't understand. Dodgers signed Blake Trinan. Which That's is, a big signing. Which is a big signing, especially depending on how they want to use him in relation to Kenley Jansen. I think that he's going to close. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you get him to not close. Yeah. You know? Uh, you want to speak about Tampa and the kid, uh, Yoshitomo Susugo. That familiar with his work, but his numbers look very impressive. Yeah, I don't know how they translate into the you know the show, the show yeah. because he had twenty nine bombs. So over here, then that means maybe you give, him, you give him love. <laughs> yeah, I'm going by fifteen sixty. Yeah, bat two forty. Because <laughs> <laughs> we, we throw that cheese over here, boy. They go that gas, yeah. but he's but he's gonna be fooling with Hunter Renfro. So we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah. Maybe that'll help. Matters him out. where they put him in the lineup. Yeah, but that he actually would have benefited from being around Tommy Pham. I think. <laughs> yeah, in what's the up, And then uh, Corey Kluber <laughs> to the Rangers. Just funny, Corey Kluber, they just moved Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber's got to be maybe one of the most underappreciated aces of modern of the modern era. Right. Because since he blossomed later, he didn't really ever get that crazy, crazy deal. Uh, even the deal that he got was team-friendly. And uh, Corey Kluber can dominate with anybody during that period when he was dominant. Well, he broke his arm. And, uh, you know, I, I think that they might be a little... You're scared at this point. A little gun shy. But then you have Clevenger also that's coming up now. Now, they're talking about Clevenger to the Dodgers. As well. They're, they're talking about Clevenger and Lindor, and they're talking about how they don't want to give up Gavin Lux. And to me, the guy I wouldn't want to give up Corey is Seager. Dustin May. Oh, Dustin May. They, they, are they going to give up Dustin They're May. talking about Dustin May and Gavin Lux, and that's why oh. That's why. The, that's why. So the, they're just the swapping pieces happening. at this point then. I'm not giving up Dustin May. 
Yeah, he's nice. That kid has the potential to be a, a, a big – A generational big, talent. Yeah, he's got the big arm. And I'm not mad at Gavin Lux, but they're talking about Alex Verdugo. Uh, wow. Yeah, Lindor, because it's two years of Lindor. They're talking about Verdugo. Uh, that sounds like a book. <laughs> it's a Verdugo. <laughs> yeah. two, two years of Lindor. <laughs> <laughs> It's a reflection piece. I spent a lot of time on designing. This I call two years of Lindor. Uh, yeah, man. So yeah, so I yeah, I can't give it. I can't give it all that up. That's like giving it all up for Anthony Davis. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot of that's a lot of booty up there. You're giving out a lot of booty. I don't know if I can do it. Lux, Verdugo, and May. I mean, this is like the cornerstone of of a potential new. Franchise, you you can see that the older players they're phasing out. I mean, do you think that you're going to be able to get that from Red Turn now? So the Dodgers should actually well, be in the mar- market for Josh Donaldson, honestly. Yeah, and that's why they were apparently heavily in the market for Rendon. Yeah, so they they I didn't there was there was talk about Red Turn moving to second base or I don't know what's going to happen to be honest, folks. We'll keep an eye on the hot stove. But this has been an action-packed full episode of the Ozone. Very happy to be back in our studio and enjoying this. And 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 we had some technical difficulties, folks, and now we're back at it. Expect a big 2020 out of us. Want to leave you with a quote from uh, one of my ex-girlfriend's favorites, Dr. Wayne Dyer. And it is, peace is the result of retraining your mind to process life as it is, rather than as you think it should be. We're all in this thing together, folks, and we're looking for some peace, some love, and some harmony. I'm your host, Omar Miller. Take care of one another, and this is The Ozone. Ozone. I'm just living the dream. I'm in love with the lights. This is not just a game. This here is my life.